has been an awakening. Have you felt it? Light it up. Welcome to Unmistakably Star Wars, your source for a high-quality, informative, and entertaining look into the Star Wars galaxy. So strap yourself in, because here's where the fun begins. Hey, welcome to Unmistakably Star Wars and our continuing dialogue about representation in that galaxy far, far away. And as we continue this dialogue, we've got the great opportunity to sit down with none other than Kate Sanchez, who is not only from the But Why Though podcast, but she's also one of the early adopters to this movement, the, the hashtag SWRepMatters. And Kate, thank you so much for visiting Unmistakably Star Wars today. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. So listen, before we get into the representation matters on screen and, and behind the scenes, let's just talk first a little bit about your own Star Wars fandom. Tell us about that time that Star Wars just kind of reached in, grabbed your heart, and refused to let go. Ooh, that's a very good question because I don't really know when that moment happened. You don't have it's that just marked it down, Kate. Kate, this is not the way to start the interview. Well, I don't because <laughs> I've always been in it. Okay, um, okay. I was. I mean, ultimately growing up, I was, I guess, what people would like would have called like a tomboy and stuff. I wasn't very girly or very feminine. And I grew up, uh, my aunt uh, babysat me all the time. And she had uh, three sons, all of it, which loved Star Wars so much. Um, and it was just always there. Like, mm -hmm. I don't have a moment in my life where Star Wars wasn't there. Wow. Um, so whenever people ask me that question, I know it's really hard to like explain. Like I don't really have a moment when I came in. I mm -hmm. was just like, I think about like that Bane quote, like I was born into it. Um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, it's just like whether it was holding model, like modeling glue for my cousins mm. or helping them staple, um, what do you call them? The action figures to their walls and their, yeah. in their containers. Um, like I was always doing that. And I remember they had an extra copy of return of the Jedi, um, on VHS and mm. I took it home and I was so in love with that movie. Wow. Um, mostly because of Leia, yeah. um, and Bush Leia and like seeing her do all her things mm. and Ewoks. And I mean, of course kids love those things. And I, played that tape until it would not play anymore. I ended up breaking it. Oh my gosh. Um, and one of the first gifts that my partner ever gave me, um, he's also my co-host on uh, But Why Though, uh, was the original pre-1993 VHS set of the original trilogy. Wow. Um, it is a very prized possession to me, and I have my little Death Star projector sitting on top of it on display in my house. So, my goodness. Kate, if that's uh, not love, yeah. I'm not sure what else qualifies. <laughs> I don't know either because I was actually in a bidding war with somebody for oh like gosh. that exact same thing on like a Facebook group. <laughs> and he was just – it happened on like one of our first dates and I was like, I'm so sorry. I have to bid on these because I want them. <laughs> um, and the person didn't realize that they had. Um, unfortunately, another Star Wars fan jumped in and did know what they had. Um, and that was like one of the first gifts he gave me and it, it's, wow. it's probably – my favorites because it's one of those that hits me at my nerdy core that is an inc 
incredible story. I love that. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And so you mentioned Leia and, and Boosh. And so as you kind of grew in your fandom, did you kind of stick with that Carrie Fisher, Princess Leia love? Or did you kind of branch out into to other parts of, of um, characters? Or what continued your fandom going? So it was, for the longest time, it was always Leia for me. Mm-hmm. Mostly because all the little boys on the playground said I couldn't be a Jedi. <laughs> Yes. Uh, little do they know they have oh, not read the ca- the right? extended the extended material. Um, <laughs> but you know that was so for me like it was I was almost forced into land. It doesn't mean I loved her any less, mm-hmm. right? Like I still loved her, um, but she was the one that I could express myself as. Mm-hmm. It was the one she was the one that I was okay to express myself as. And then as I got older. Um, Padme kind of filled that role, but she never filled Leia for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But ultimately, um, what I found myself kind of being drawn to um, was just lightsaber battles. Mm -hmm. I just really wanted lightsaber battles. I wanted the warrior. I wanted to be a warrior. I wanted to be this, like everything. And as we got more and more material um, in the Clone Wars uh, TV series, specifically Asajj Ventress, mm-hmm. is somebody I like very deeply identify with, mm-hmm. as well as Ahsoka, because they're in those middle. There's they're in those middle grounds of things where they go both like they see different paths, and uh, that's always been more appealing to me. And then, um, I mean, honestly, like I don't really know how to like. I've never really thought about it beyond what I've experienced in my adulthood with Mm. um, the new movies that have come out, Um, specifically like my love of Cassie and Andor. But like as developing as a Star Wars fan, it was, I don't know, it was kind of always Leia. Even in the era of the prequels, it was kind of always Leia with the exception of... That one time as a kid, I my mom bought me an Anakin Skywalker. Um, they had these like kind of helmet type things. It weren't. It wasn't really a helmet. It was kind of like it was made like a mask material that you would put on. And she bought that for me, but it was actually for an Amelia Earhart costume oh, for wow. Halloween. Yeah. Um, so that's the only time I really ventured outside of like Leia stuff. Um, but yeah. I don't know if that answers the question. No, that was kind absolutely. of absolutely. Cool. <laughs> um, so I want to know though, because we the first kind of cinematic experience with a woman doing a lightsaber duels with, of course, the Force Awakens with Ray. So, what was your reaction in that moment in the theater? I mean, it was amazing. Um, it was it was really weird. I didn't have. Um, I, I know some people have like a lot of like really like visceral reactions seeing that because of how great it is. Yeah. Um, for me, it wasn't really that because I don't really click with Ray that much. Mm. Um, I don't see myself in her. Um, I see myself more in Poe, um, mm. not only because Oscar Isaac's Latino, but mostly because of his um, has to do something right now, right now mentality. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and Ray's kind of calmness. And like, I, I just don't really identify with her, but seeing it happen, it was that moment where I was like, holy crap. There are little <laughs> girls who are going to get to play Jedi and nobody can tell them anything. Yeah, like yeah. they can just play with everybody else. And that like I recognize what it did and I especially recognize what it did for um, like uh, kids of my friends and my family mm. members and seeing them get super excited. And at conventions now, mm. like I don't identify with Ray, but seeing the impact that she's had. Mm-hmm. And knowing that, like, I got to see that on opening night, like, right. it felt 
it felt it felt like an awakening <laughs> a whole new generation of star wars fans yeah absolutely my my daughter who's 6 she actually just I showed it to her last weekend for the first time and it was just it was amazing to see her she knew who ray was but had never seen the film before and it was just wow. this she leaped off the couch and started jumping around reaction i I love what you had to say about that, though, because, you know, there was so much made about here we have this new heroine who has so much power and has, quite frankly, is one of the tent poles in this new trilogy. Mm-hmm. And yet you you very confidently said, like, but I don't really identify with her and you more so with Poe. And then you had mentioned Cassian Andor before. And so talk a little bit about that. What is it about Oscar Isaac, what is it about Cassian Andor that really pulls you into those characters? Yeah, so for me, um, they're they're, and this isn't to say Ray isn't complex, sure. but they're complex in the way that I'm complex. Mm-hmm. So when you look at a po- when you look at a character like Poe, you see somebody who is very assured in his abilities. Mm. And somebody who can't just sit by and mm. not do something. And for me, it's taken a long time in my life to get the type of um, confidence to mm. know that I have talent, to know that I can do something. Um, and so for me, seeing Poe just embody that, like knowing he's like, he's not humble. And that's something I really admire because I have like fought really hard to get to a point in my life Mm. where I can say that I am very good at what I do Mm. in my job or anything like that. And I know some people think that, oh, well, that's being arrogant. But like, ultimately, when you're a woman, and especially when you're a woman of color, um, and even when you're a man of color, um, you're taught to apologize for feeling those ways. Mm. You're supposed to stifle yourself. Mm. You're supposed to, you know, kind of conform to everything around you. And so for me, seeing Poe, just be himself and push to do things and not be afraid. That to me is way more in line with how I see myself and mm-hmm. how I push myself to be. Um, even though he does, he is reckless. I do know that. I know he's not perfect. Um, but the same way that Leia has had to reprimand him, I've been reprimanded by people mm-hmm. and, and that's okay because you, you fall and you grow. And mm-hmm. then, um, Cassie and Andor for me is more less of somebody that I fought to be and more of somebody that I've had to be my entire life. Mm. Cassian, um, played by Diego Luna, first he has an accent in space. Like he has a Spanish accent. He's unashamedly um, and unapologetically Mexican. And I, I'm Chicana, Mexican American, and seeing that is great. Um, but it's not just surface level for me. Like mm. for me, it isn't just about seeing a brown man in Star Wars. It's about seeing a full character that is entirely fleshed out mm. and represents a struggle that another person in the movie does not understand. Like my favorite scene with Cassian is when they get onto the ship after he attempts to kill Galen and Jin is going at him and saying that he's no better than a stormtrooper. And he has this monologue where he says, I've been in this fight since I was six years old. Mm. You just now started looking up. Um, And for me, I have had to tell so many people that, especially in the climate we're in now. Hell, I did it like the other weekend when somebody told me that in order to be against toxicity, I, a woman of a color, had to like The Last Jedi. Wow. <laughs> um, it, it, it gets intense. And it's one of those things mm. where like, 
for me, seeing that in Rogue One, and Rogue One is probably, if not my favorite, my second favorite Star Wars film, mm. it shows this dynamic of people in different on different journeys in this resistance. And some of us have been fighting longer. Mm. And I think that, that, like, for me, it was a perfect allegory for what's happening right now. And so seeing Cassian like that and seeing him as somebody so devoted to the cause and yet somebody who is empathetic when he, you know, when it hits him, but still can complete what he needs to do, Mm. um, it was really important for me. And for me, it was a moment where... I saw myself talking to somebody Mm. Um, and it was in his words as well as in his, you know, his physicality. Um, But yeah, so that, that's kind of why I love them. (laughs) I I love that. I I love that you have found characters that you, you so resonate with and really from what I'm hearing you talk about Kate and, you know, we had a little conversation off air before and you're, you're in the tech industry, which historically has been a very, heavily male dominated industry. Yes. And so I, I can see how these things really mesh together well yeah. just in the and short before that, conversation. Yeah. And before that I was in academia. Oh wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. So um, I've kind of been maneuvering that space my entire life. Yeah, um, <laughs> and so when you when you see these characters and as you as you resonate with them and you continue to watch the film and read the books that, that highlights these characters and knowing that they are men of color. And of course we've got women of color now that are starting to become more prevalent part of the star Wars scene. What do you think as, as far as a woman of color in everyday real world life, what is this (laughs) going to do generally speaking for star Wars fandom? Um, I think ultimately what it will do for fandom, and I really want to kind of like take fandom, like step away from it for a second. So I think when I talk about this, I want to talk about fans being kids who are going in to watch these watch these movies, sure. you know, young people who are going to watch this. It's going to normalize us as a part of the story. Um, and it's going to do this for the older people as well. But I think when it comes to fandom on the older thing, even though we're making these great strides in getting more a more diverse property, if you look at a lot of like fandom websites and fandom writers and stuff like that, there aren't a lot of people of color on there. Mm-hmm. Um, like there are rarely any, like you can go to any like Star Wars website and it's really hard to find women of color contributing, men of color contributing. And it's still a space, like fandom as a space is still really, really, really not empowering the people that we can empower. And it's not to say that we don't have a voice to affect change at Lucas. Um, you know, at LFL, Mm -hmm. we do, and it's being used and it's great. And we're going to see a whole bunch of bright eyed kids growing up and it's going to be normal Mm. to see women kicking bad guy butt. And it's going to be normal to have a Spanish accent. And this is all amazing for them. And I think when it comes to us, like people who use Twitter and people who run these things, we have to actually look at the stuff ourselves that we're putting out to promote Um, to promote things in our community because it's great to advocate on Twitter for things. Mm -hmm. But if you're not actually backing it out with backing it up with the power that you have on your own platform, you're not really contributing to it. Mm. And so for me, 
I'm hoping that this new rush of um, of diverse cast, and not new rush, I mean, just with more diversity um, in the cast and behind the camera that, that's going to be growing, um, that there's more inclusivity in fandom. Because I think that people don't really understand that there is a difference between diversity and inclusivity. Mm. Diversity is pushing to have one of each person represented, right? Inclusivity is striving to have each of those people feel comfortable, safe, and at home in that space. Mm. And I think that there is still a lot of work to do, even among the most progressive of us in the fandom, to make everybody feel included. Mm. Um, yeah. Sorry. That was no, very long. please don't apologize. <laughs> I, I think that, that that's wonderful. And it reminds me, uh, Daniel Jose Older, who wrote Han Solo Last Shot that came out, what I believe this last spring, mm-hmm. actually was, was talking about this as well. And he was saying, you know, I'm at a point being interviewed that I, I no longer am interested in answering the question, why is diversity important? But let's talk about yeah. how do we make it happen? And mm-hmm. I, I think that plays so nicely with what you brought up. And so let me just kind of take those two and, and bring them together here. And, and Kate, let me ask you, how do we move? How do we have the action of being more inclusive, not just as a fandom per se, but also behind the scenes of the film with the cast, the crew, all those things? How do we actually get legs to this idea and and stop just applauding saying yes it's time but actually make it happen yeah so i think it's a little bit because i'm not in movie production i can't i can't really speak to those pieces like (laughs) in the in front of it that is a little hard a little out of my realm i'll try um honestly in that piece a long way like it goes a long way to listen and this goes on both ends so to the movie piece and also to the fandom piece listen to what people are saying look listen to what actors are voicing listen to act, how actors are being treated listen to the people in the room around you and understand that having an inclusive space and they've done studies on this in the corporate setting that mm-hmm. prove that diversity actually improves growth in numbers um understanding that you're not going to lose anything as a company by hiring people to tell different stories because at this point star wars has been around for so long we're still in the skywalker saga like (laughs) great point (laughs) you can do something different if anything people want something different Mm. And that's important. Like, hell, I want a movie of all aliens directed by Guillermo del Toro. That's what I want in my store. There we go. There we go. (laughs) Um, Like, there is so much and so long of a timeline to do different things. Why not reach out to people that you haven't had before? Mm. You know, reach out to new experiences and new positionalities because that's how you get a, a different stories. And that's also by by listening and empowering those people. It is just by like just by doing that, you're gonna have a more inclusive space because mm-hmm. you're seeing that your voice matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and on when you move to the fandom side, there is a lot that happens specifically. Like I'm gonna retweet all these things, and I'm gonna fight trolls, and I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna do that. And it's like, yes, okay, but how about you step back, take stock of who you have on your network, who contributes to your websites. And I mean, I I run a website. So like, I'm not speaking at this from like, oh, you know, you should just do this. Like I actually have experience doing this. When you put out a call for writers, it is not hard to find 
a diverse space. And so long as you support and listen to them, you are going to be giving them and empowering them to get their voices out there. Mm. And when you run things in fandom, because the Star Wars fandom is extremely established and there are people who have been here forever, um, understanding that you can do that to support other people is the first step. And then acting on it is the second. And then if, say, you put out a call for writers or a call for podcasts and you only have the exact same people that look the same, that have the same experiences responding to it, take a deep breath, examine your circle and understand that you need to reach out of it because there's so much more fandom than what you're involved in. And it's all about respecting other people and ultimately it's understanding that it is okay to not be there yet. Um, I did a lot of diversity and inclusion facilitation um, like uh, last year and a few years back. And one of the things that we always say is that allyship is a journey. Mm. Um, You're never going to get it right. You're going to stumble. You're going to take some wrong paths, but so long as you're, open to meeting someone on that journey and so long as you're okay with taking that wrong turn every once in a while and coming back after you've been corrected we're all going to get to the same place and so I think that it goes a long way to listen it goes a long way to not only call for something at the very top but also look at what can I do right now Mm. and yeah I mean it it, it's really hard to say because I don't have all the answers um and it, it's hard to say we'll just do it because that that's very amorphous. It doesn't have like a, a roadmap or a guidelines. Right, right, right. Um, just listen to the people around you, and if all the people around you have the same voice, look for new people. <laughs> but I think there's something to that, though. I, I think that you know one of the things that I, I got out of that, and thank you for really weaving that together so nicely. <laughs> But it's it is it's a journey, right? It's a journey that we're all on, and there's not not only just one way to do it, but there's also what might work for you or for myself might be totally different mm-hmm. for for others. So, and I think that there there comes with, gosh, if I can use the the word courage, I think if, if mm-hmm. we're courageous enough just to put ourselves out there and yeah. and, and risk, you know, like like you said, being corrected or or actually maybe developing new relationships and friendships and expanding our, our boundaries and stuff. I, I think yeah. that as, so long as we look at it as like, we, it, it's not a silver bullet that it, it can be a very rich and rewarding experience for everyone. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this, when it comes to, we have no idea what's going on behind the scenes at, at Lucasfilm, but as far as what you've seen so far as a woman of color with the direction of the cast and, and some of the authors that are, are now part of the process. Do you feel that Lucas is going, Lucasfilm is going in the proper direction? Do you feel that they can go there more quickly? What, I guess, how would you, if you were a doctor, how would you, di- <laughs> how would you diagnose what Lucasfilm is doing right now? I would say that they're taking really good steps. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and steps that, Honestly, if you look at the amount of, I know that there was a lot of, um, I don't want to say outrage, but because it wasn't outrage, it was just, you know, a critique of having Carrie Russell casted, right? Um, right? A lot of that came out. But at the same time, when you actually step back and look at the number of white faces that have been added to the new trilogy, it's very few. Mm. 
Um, and it doesn't mean that like we can't stop pushing. Like the, the thing about calling for representation is like you don't get it until people actually hear you and show that they're hearing you. Mm. I think at the minimum in front of the camera, Lucasfilm has heard us. Um, there's still long ways to go. Like there's not a single Latina in Star Wars. Mm. Um, I personally think that the way um, Phasma has been treated uh, specifically in The Last Jedi and the comments that Ryan Johnson made about her being the new, the, the Kenny of Star Wars um, is not really writing and appreciating a female villain mm. when we don't have that many because women can also be evil guys. It's totally okay. We don't have to be the good guys all the time. Um, Especially for an actress like Gwendolyn. Come on. Um, Get with it. Um, As someone who invested hundreds of dollars into Captain Phasma, believe me, I'm with you. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Um, And so, like, I feel like they're going in the right direction. And what's right for me isn't always going to be right for somebody else. So I I do definitely want to like caveat this with this is my own personal opinion. And I may think it's moving faster than some people do um, or slower than some people do. Um, And I mean, personally, I feel like they're taking all the right steps. Mm -hmm. I think um, I can't remember her name. The addition of the co-director for nine was a really, really big step. Um, I, I think we're going the right direction. Um, unfortunately, a part of me over like the course of this and just dealing with like all of this and all of my fandoms, mm-hmm. um, because as a Latina, like we make up 18% of the population. We have about 3% representation on screen and speaking roles across mm-hmm. TV and film, which is not a lot nor representative of how large our communities are. Um, I'm always fighting for it. Mm-hmm. Um which also means I'm going to be critical and not just accept when um, I don't think something's done well. Sure. But at the same time, I think that there it does go a long way to just kind of be like, you know what? We're a lot farther than we were five years ago. Mm. We're a lot farther than we were ten years ago. Are we at Are we at the end goal yet? No. Um, but we're getting there, um, and I think we're definitely getting towards a Star Wars where there is representation for a whole number of people and not just one. Mm. And I think that that in and of itself is really important. And I think that um, Lucasfilms is hearing us. And I think that so long as we stay vocal and so long as we keep having this dialogue, you know, as long as we have this conversation, we can keep advancing. And it's just keeping this persistent effort of, talking and letting people understand why you know why we call for certain things or why we think this would be great um yeah (laughs) i always stop abruptly i apologize (laughs) no it just flew off in my head (laughs) well you know one of the things you said and it kind of couples with something that you brought up earlier and that is you know from lucasfilm standpoint like you have nothing to lose and i think that that's interesting because as you were just giving this most recent input one of the things that struck me was it will be interesting as the cast and crew, writers, authors, all that stuff of, of Star Wars becomes more inclusive. And representation mm-hmm. is, is, it's not even thought of so much as it just is what it is. It yeah. will be interesting if what is lost from Star Wars fandom are the toxic members of, of fandom. If there will come mm-hmm. a time where things are just so inclusive that they're just kind of forced out. I think that that will be fascinating and Fingers crossed that may happen. Um, So, like, just to push back there a little bit, 
I think that we have to define that toxicity because I think there are a lot of progressive people in the Star Wars fandom that are mm. just as toxic in mm. some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, not as toxic because obviously racism and sexism is like so as bad as it gets. But um, like personally, I think a lot of people around The Last Jedi on in the other spectrum, like I said, like I've been told that because I'm a woman of color, I'm giving – um, I'm giving alt-right people ammunition to say they don't like The Last Jedi. And it's like, why do I, like, liking a movie is performative and there's not, like, it's a movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I have been gatekeeped a lot uh, around, I, I have been gatekeeped out of pieces of fandom because I don't like that movie. Um, and for me, it's understanding that toxicity is, there are levels to it, mm-hmm. but we can't accept like we can't accept the smaller pieces of it just because the larger pieces are worse. Mm. We have to fight it all. Mm. And ultimately, like I think as of right now, and I, I like I talked about it on Twitter the past weekend, like there are a lot of things in fandom that are going unchecked and unseen because people are so busy looking at the other stuff that they're losing sight of like the I don't know how to say this. It's really hard to say this because like at the end of the day, racism and sexism is abhorrible and I hate them. And I want to like, I, we need to fight them, mm-hmm. but then we also need to make sure that the community that we're, we're pushing them out of also isn't pushing out other people. Right. And personally, like I've been called racist and sexist for not liking the last Jedi at wow. points, mm-hmm. um, which like you have like there doesn't seem to be a nuance to a lot of this Mm. um and for me i think that a lot of that gets missed and a lot of the people like me just kind of end up leaving star wars twitter Mm. or not interacting with it i don't interact with the majority of people that i interact with interacted with before the last jedi because either we don't get along, either they've strongly disagreed with my take on Poe, or they've just, you know, unfollowed me, or, you know, any number of things. Wow. And, like, my Star Wars network is not where it used to be. Wow. Um, and part of it, and I don't want to just put that on them, like, part of it is on me, too. Like, it is not, but ultimately, I have felt very disconnected with the fandom because I feel like there is this big push Mm. to where we have to defend this film so much that we're not able to have a dialogue about it. And we're losing a lot of the great things about Star Wars. Like Mm. for me, like, and and Star Wars has had this division for so long. Like it was, it was like that with the prequels. Right, right. Like it, it just, it always happens. And I think like there just needs to come a point where it's like, I personally don't give a platform to people who are, you know, jumping into my mentions and attacking me. And it doesn't mean anybody else like should do what I do. Like this is my personal way of dealing with it. But like one thing that I do engage with is when people tell me that I'm not a fan because I don't like the movie or, you know, when they tell me that I'm propping up white supremacy because I don't like the movie. And I'm like, no, I just think that the characters are badly written and I want more out of it. I expected more. Um, I mean, so I think ultimately it would be great to see toxicity leave, but I think if there's a fandom, there's going to be a gatekeeper and it just Mm -hmm. depends on where that gate's swinging. Right. 
Um, I personally want all the racism and sexism out because I've been targeted by it before. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like I felt it. Um, But at the end of the day, like it hurts me more when I see people that I interacted with a lot stop Mm -hmm. interacting with me because of my opinions on a movie, then it does the guy, then it does the guy jumping into my mentions and calling me a racial slur. And again, it's not like that for everybody. So don't take this as me saying you should deal with that because you absolutely shouldn't. But personally, like one of those people I trusted and one of those person, not trusted, but one of those people I considered a friend or a fellow fan or, you know, they were part of my experience and the other one was never going to be. Hmm. Um, and that's one of the things that scares me as things keep going on. Um, that like just wanted to kind of like add that because I just don't know if toxicity is going to leave entirely. I think the brand of toxicity will. Yeah. Um, but I think it will ultimately still be there. Um, and it's like that in every fandom. It's not just Star Wars. I'm also a big Marvel fan. Like it it happens in comic books all the time, too. Like mm-hmm. it people are going to be toxic. It, it's kind of like an obstacle course in fandom. Unfortunately, it doesn't make it right. But it's, you know. It's kind of understanding where you fit in this. Totally agree. And, and I think, you know, uh, sadly enough, I, one of the things that I've observed happen or happening is, you know, Star Wars and fandom to various levels. And I guess it may be in the, in the pre-Twitter days, even, <laughs> though were, even though there were challenges and arguments and, and maybe a certain levels of toxicity, it was also a refuge. And I, I we've seen so much yeah. like the, the political... Um, dialogue of the United States bleed into fandom and it's just Kate forgive the language but for me I, I define toxicity much more general and it's just kind of if you're being a dick to somebody yes <laughs> yeah no exactly thank you yes I actually we actually have a shirt that I made that says rules of fandom one don't be a dick thank you put Two, me down for double x that's it like still be a dick it's not hard like yes, you don't even have to be you. nice to everybody. just ignore them and move on don't be a dick yes yes uh, you you like so that was very succinctly what I was trying to say Thank you. <laughs> well, let me ask this because you you brought up as as far as you know characters on screen and stuff, and you mentioned Ajaz Ventress, Asajj Ventress, and said you know like gals can be women can be baddies too. And so, from your perspective as a woman of color, do you think that while that is a true statement that that also runs uh, the possibility of playing into stereotypes if all of a sudden we have the Chicana actress or uh, an African-American actor playing, uh, you know, the, the, the person that's the behind the scenes doing all the nefarious stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think ultimately um, if you don't do it right, everything mm-hmm. can be a stereotype. Sure. That's, that's my my take on that because um, there is like any – okay, I was actually just complaining about this on our Mission Impossible episode. Stop naming female bat, female villains the widow. Like just mm, stop. Mm. They're, they're always women who fight the exact same way and are femme fatales and they all have the name widow somewhere in it. And it's really <laughs> frustrating. That is a trope and that is a stereotype even if they're really well done. Um, and – for me, I think that it can push that because we do live in a vilified, um, one, darker skin, mm-hmm. and um, to anybody who is seen as being other. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, personally, I think that 
as a woman, being a villain is hard. There mm. are very few of them. Mm. Um, in, in Star Wars, in, in honestly, in other fandoms as well. And, and when that woman is a villain, she's usually a grieving mother or she is, um, she's a femme fatale or, you know, there are complexities to villains that can be done so well. And I believe Asajj did that. Um, I mean, ultimately, she has a turn, right? Um, right. When you look at vi- a female villain as a trope, there's also that turn. Mm. You know, they're not always going to be evil. They're like evil because they have to, but you can change them. Mm. Um, and for me, I think that there is something empowering about saying, like, it's kind of like as a woman, you don't have to fit into this ideal. You're not do I say it? You're not the vessel of in- innocence and purity and goodness. And right, right. like, that is what <laughs> even female heroes have been for the longest time. And right. for me, just seeing a woman be a villain and kick butt is important. Mm. I mean, Ray Sloan, get Ray Sloan mm. on screen. Like there's so there, there are complexities that can be done to make it not a stereotype. Mm-hmm. Um, and at this point, the first order is all white dudes. Like I throwing know. a woman of color there in there isn't gonna like the narrative still sticks. Right, right. Just like I, I just want to see um, like women characters overall be mm. able to play every role, right. be able to be these complex people. I don't mm. want them to be the girlfriend that got shot in Black Panther. I want them to right. actually be Killmonger. Like we. <laughs> yes. It's understanding that both genders are capable Mm. of these things. And in the same way that women can be capable of destruction Mm. and havoc and chaos, men can also be capable of extreme love and Mm. empathy and, you know, um, and compassion. And when once we reach a state where we can have both of those characters, and I think we're getting a lot closer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're still far off because people still keep writing bad female villains. It doesn't stop. Um, to me, that's more important than any potential stereotype territory. Because if you're an author, if you're if you're a writer who is actually listening and trying to make a well-rounded character, that's not going to happen. Mm stereotypes happen when one people don't understand the culture they're writing about um two people try to overuse tropes to tokenize a person Mm. um to turn them into a token and in my opinion three when they're doing it for a gimmick Mm. um and if you avoid those like to avoid those things you just write a good character and <laughs> so I, I think that there's a lot of people um, like white authors who really steer away from trying to um, they're not authors, uh, you know, um, writers on on movies and television, all these things, because they don't know how to write it. Um, ultimately, you can bring in people of color to write it as well. Um, or you can actually put your pen down, do your research listen Mm. and have consultants that help you. I mean, um, the Disney film Coco is like a beautiful example of that Mm. because the mouse was sued because they tried to copyright Dia de los Muertos. Um, And the Chicanos that stopped that were actually hired onto the film as cultural consultants. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah. Um, 
that type of listening is important to staying away from stereotypes. Mm. Um, so that, and that, that's also, that's my two cents into it. I'm sure it's not, it's not 100% great, but I just, I just really want to see a, a female villain like yeah. so bad. Yeah. Well, you know, you brought up black Panther, which w- was a phenomenal film on, on so many levels in so many respects. And it, it's funny because I think women of color were portrayed amazingly well from, yes. from my perspective in that film. And, you know, one of the actresses, Danae Guerrera, who is uh-huh. my favorite actress on The Walking Dead. and She's so good. She, she's just amazing. And so from your perspective, Kate, it doesn't have to be Star Wars related at, at all, but is there either a, a Chicana character or Chicana actress that you say, like, yes, that is what I want to see brought into the Star Wars world? Ooh, that's a tough one. That's so tough. There are quite a few that I really want to see brought in. Um, I would love Gina Rodriguez to get a role because um, I love her. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, you know who I want to see? Gina Torres as Ray really? Sloan. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I think I think Gina Torres would do an amazing job as Ray Sloan. She has the sci-fi chops. Uh, Firefly proved it you know um and she has um the first afro-latina spinoff um for or the first afro-latina like primetime show is going to be her spinoff from suits um and i i've been in love with her for so long um on top of that um let's see uh tessa thompson would be Mm. amazing of course um who else I mean, I think those are my top three, and I cast them for everything. Like so many, like so much of the time, I cast them for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think Becky G would be really good. She mm-hmm. was um, the Yellow Power Ranger in the Power Ranger movie. She okay. is Chicana specifically, um, and uh, so she's Chicana, and so is Tessa, and then Gina Rodriguez is Puerto Rican, and I don't remember Gina Torres's um, cultural background. Okay. I, and I, I'm so sorry. Like, I can't remember that off the top of my no, head. <laughs> no, no, that's, I, listen, I, I'm with you, especially with Gina Torres, because Suits in particular, I mean, she was the epitome of power, common cool, yep. and like ruthless. So, yes, like walking into a room and a pin would drop because nobody wants to upset her. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's the, it, it is the aura that you need. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. Well, Kate, as we kind of begin to, to land the conversation today, what, I guess, insight, advice, encouragement would you have for, I, I mean, you can say it directly to me or just someone that's listening in general, like someone that is maybe not a person of color um, or, or that is, is not um, a woman. I know we've just named the first order by doing that, but what, <laughs> <laughs> what, what would you want to say to somebody that, that, listens to this, hears this and says, okay, but now what can little old me, the listener do? Ooh, gosh, that's rough. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Listen, Mm. it it is as simple as listening. It's listening to the people around you. It's listening to what people are saying. And it's understanding that sometimes maybe you shouldn't be talking over somebody, Mm. you know, Realize where your position is in certain in certain things. Um, most certainly, don't tell a woman of color that she's propping up white supremacy by not locking the last Jedi. I apologize; I keep bringing that up, but it is it, it is still bugging me. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Um, it, it's understanding that 
everybody else has a different position. Mm. Um, and we all live in these realms of privilege and understanding what yours is mm. and understanding that it is okay for you to mess up. It is okay for you to be called out. Mm. It is okay because so long as you're working and listening to do better, that's what matters. And mm. if you're listening to this and you run a podcast network or you run a site with writers and you don't have a single man of color or any women of color anywhere on there, you really need to take a moment and understand before you start, you know, start battling the, you know, the toxic fanboys and stuff like that, that it is within your immediate power beyond just arguing with them because they're not going to shut up. They're, they're, they're not. Right, right. It, it, it's just not going to happen, unfortunately. But the way you can push them out, the way you can actually push out these toxic areas is to use your platform mm. to give, a, to not give a voice, but raise other yeah. people's voices yeah. who aren't like yours. Because mm. um, there are a lot of white dude run websites out there and I've looked at your numbers uh, or your writers. There's not a lot of people of color in there, people. Right. Right. <laughs> like, not to call anybody out, but like, I think ultimately we, we live in an era of content creation mm. that everybody can have a voice but not everybody has the same audience. Mm. So it's up to us to lift each other up because at the end of the day, toxic people, racist people, sexist people are going to be there. But if we're louder, if we are telling our stories louder, if we are supporting each other louder, if we are empowering each other louder, we're going to win at the end of the day. Mm. And content creation gives us a way to do that. Well said. Absolutely well said. Kate, as we just kind of land things for today, let folks know where they can find you on social media. Yeah, you can find me at Oh My Myth Randier on Twitter. Um, I, I guess I just spelled that out. O-H-M-Y-M-I-T-H-R-A-N-D-I-R. It's another one of my fandoms. If you get that name, you get a gold star. <laughs> um, and then you can find my podcast at But Why Though PC on Twitter. And you can find um, us and our community of writers and podcast at ButWhyThoughPodcast.com. Awesome. Kate, thank you so much for not only taking time out of your schedule today, but really illuminating this topic and bringing such great insight to us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Our pleasure. Hey, that's going to wrap up this special episode of Unmistakably Star Wars. As always, you can catch us on that wretched hive of scum and villainy known as Twitter. You can find us at Unmistakably SW. You can also swing on by UnmistakablyStarWars.com where you can find our complete archives of shows. And listen to your heart's content. We'll see you next time in the digital docking bay. And until then, may the force be with you. Always. Unmistakably Star Wars is a member of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. Explore more great content and get to know our sister shows at WeAreEscapePods.com and on Twitter at WeAreEscapePods, the Star Wars Escape Pods Network, promoting positivity in fandom. This party's over. 